What's good, everybody? You know what that means. It's Thursday night, live from the Good News radio station in Hawthorne, California. It's Touchdowns and Tangents. I'm Pete Camarillo. I'm Kenneth Ryan James Berry. And shout out to the Ramley. Consecutive losses since the last time we were on these airways. Fantastic. Fantastic losery. Fantastic. Blowing the game to the Buccaneers. And now the Seahawks have the ball or are challenging the ball. I might have just jinxed them. But, yeah, they're supposed to get the ball with about two minutes left and hopefully sealing up the game. So there goes first place in the NFC West. There, here comes a wild card. Here comes San Francisco. Undefeated San Francisco. Yeah. That's a, that's a weird one. But yeah, without further ado, we got our very special segment back this week. It's time for Kenny's Community Conversations. So before we get into the actual interview, you want to just preface it a little bit? Yeah, I'll preface it with uh, I talked to losing your head coach Thomas Barnes. Funny story. Um, so one of the cables popped out right when I was about to go live. Uh-huh. And then I spent like 20 or 30 minutes making sure like everything was all the way in the groove. I had to call. Shout out to Keith for getting on ring. Uh, shout out to Michael. <laughs> had to pretty much damn near FaceTime, figure it out. And it was literally two little plugs that were sticking out the back that held up everything. But um, thankfully, Coach Barnes was totally patient about all of it. So got that crisis averted and then went right to the interview uh, he talked a lot about a lot about his program, some of the things they face, uh, tradition, the Mayor's Cup, because it's been traditionally against losing in Hawthorne, and Lawndale pretty much has dominated it, and then winning a state title kind of just raised the bar for the whole district, and I kind of also kind of talked about how you know the. The history of the Senate, the Senate of the Valley School District, from the time I was in high school till now, it's nine years. A lot changes in nine years. It, it, it's a it's a preamble, not a whole synopsis. Yeah, no, just the preamble. <laughs> and also, um, something that did make the air, but he did say uh, they've been because when I asked Londa about their weight room, you know, they told us, and when I uh, Coach Barnes brought up that. He's actually the team has been practicing outside with their weights under a big tent. If you go down Rosecrans, um, right by losing her, you can see it's a big white tent. All their weights are under there. When it's when it rains, some days they can't even lift. It's rusted. They've had issues, and they've had that issue for about two years now. So it's not just Lawndale. It's starting to look like it's just a district wide thing where athletically not getting enough support. In areas that they need it. So, it'll be interesting talking to... Eventually, I'm just going to put it out there. Start, uh, fingers crossed, talk to Derwin Henderson, Hawthorne, High's head coach. See what that's like. But yeah, it's good, but 30-minute conversation. So, it's good. I'm excited. Can't wait for y'all to hear it. Hopefully, you learned something. And it's my first time hearing it, so I'm excited to hear it. Here we go. Have here... Head coach of the Losinger Olympians. 
Go ahead, state your name. Oh, this is Coach Barnes, Thomas Barnes. Thomas Barnes. And fresh off a victory against Santa Fe High School. Beat them 14-0? 14-0, yes, sir. 3-2. and two. Uh, Most games, you've been there about two years? Yes, third, two, it's my third year coming up. Yeah, right third here. year. Uh, pretty much off to a fast start. And route to at least, you know, make the playoffs. Um, the last time losing and made the playoffs three years ago? Three, four years ago? My first year we made the playoffs. It was ten and three. That was uh, the year before I got there. They were ten and three. Okay, year before. My bad. Year before ten and three, one league, pretty much outright. You come on. You lose a lot of seniors, a lot of talent. Rebuilding the program back up. Uh, what's kind of been? What's been? How's that transition been? It's been pretty good. I think the way that we're doing it is a lot different. I guess from everyone else, we're not getting a lot of transfers. It's like a lot of homegrown kids that, you know, live around the corner from the school. You know, um, like if I, I give three, four, five kids a ride home in about 10, 15 minutes because they all live right around the school. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool deal. Um, you know, we kind of build it from the ground. Like a lot of the kids have been with me for three years now. So I have about 27 juniors that have been with me since I got there. Mm-hmm. And we only have six seniors in the whole program. So... You know, we're just trying to trying to put it together. And what was it like inheriting the program, coming off that huge year for losing your first year? How how was that? It was really tough. I don't think people understand the expectations when you just had a coach that went ten and three before I got there, and I know how that is because I came into a situation where, uh, as an assistant coach in other places, where the teams were awful. So anything that you do is great. Like I came into a situation at Long Beach Millican where the team had just come off of 0-10, and they were 2-28 and over a three-year period. We won five games, and everybody loves you. You're the hero. You know what I mean? Where in this situation, they were 10-3, and so now the expectation is we're going to the championship next year because they missed it that year by one game, so we should be going to the championship. Well, no, all of those kids really graduated. You know, this is a young team, so in, in that process, I'm glad that, you know, the kids that have stayed and, and, and weathered the storm really are, are kind of starting to reap some of the benefits of, you know, the hard work and the struggle uh, of, of, you know, really building the program, rebuilding it from you know, where it was. And how many of the kids know the history of the program? Because, like I said, full disclosure, I went to Lindell. I was on that 2009 team that went to the playoffs a lot of the guys I played with don't play football anymore. They got kids, families, and we still we still remember those times, and we were kind of connected to the school. And I know losing her was too because my sophomore year they pummeled us. I think they beat us like sixty six to three. I don't know, it was bad like that. Where I remember watching on TV Channel Twenty Two Mark Rogers play, and like all the losing her greats, and hearing all these tales. And I felt like I knew almost as much about, you know, the history of the school as they did. But obviously, 10 years is a long time. Things change. You know, kids come and go. How do you feel like the the kids are connected to that Olympian history? I think there's there's not a tremendous connection to the history of the school. One thing that I've really been trying to do is reach out and find 
alumni who have been successful coming through Losinger and gone on to do a lot of positive things. And I've talked to some people, um, and we've had, actually had a couple people come and talk to the kids, and we're trying to get more to come and speak to them and say, hey, I sat in the same seat that you're sitting in. I played on the same field that you're playing on right now, so you it can happen. You can do it. You know what I mean? Like we, um, one of our kids who was with me uh, my first year, uh, Elijah Miles, he's at Chadron State now. He's a starting tailback uh, down at Chadron State in Nebraska. And I had him come back and talk to the kids and kind of just talk to him about how college life has affected him and what he's learned since he's been in college. You know what I mean? Um, we just had a kid that graduated. He's at Utah State right now, Keith Harris. He, I want him to come back and talk to the kids now that he's had. He'll, he'll only be in school a semester, but I want him to come back this year and talk to him and say, hey, because he was just on your team last year. You know, just kind of share that that next level experience with the kids and I've also reached out to some of the alumni from from way back to say hey can you come and just talk to the kids and tell them you know what it was like when you were here and and what your what your process was in in, at the university level and and some of those guys have gone on to the pros and just say hey man this is what it is this is what you have to do to make it you know so they have that understanding because a lot of times you sit and you if you don't have an example of it you can't see it then you don't believe it can happen you know what I mean no matter how good you are you need to have something that kind of speaks to you and says, hey, you know, I can do it. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's a person. Sometimes it's a situation or an event. You know what I mean? But whatever it is, I just want to be, you know, involved with sparking that flame in the kid and get them going. You know what I mean? Just just to help them out. To try to get as many as you can to the next level because as coaches, that's our goal. We want to help as many kids as we can to go on to the next level. Even if it's not with football, just in life. You know what I mean? I want you to be successful. And with Alumni like Coach Tolliver, he was like a huge staple of that program. We reached out to him. Yeah, I talked to him, and he actually gave me a list of people who graduated from there. And I've talked to some of those people, and they've they've given me information to those people. You know, now it's just a process of reaching out to them and having them come back and talk. Some of the guys have have come back and talk. Uh, matter of fact, uh, there's a there's a guy that's supposed to uh, Ali Jamal is going to come back and talk to some. I mean, it's 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 a process right now, just getting those guys getting them to have the time to come and talk to some kids in the middle of the day because a lot of people have jobs now, but a lot of people live far away. So it's just a matter of getting them there, maybe getting them to a game and coming and talking to them before the game or after the game, you know, just, just trying to, you know, some of them are said they'll send videos uh, to come and talk to them. I even had one of my former players uh, who's in the league now, John Ross, he came back and spent the day with, with the kids and talked to them, you know what I mean? So they, they're like, oh, my God, that's John Ross. Like, yeah, you know, that's a kid that, you know, that played for me that has been successful and he made it. Having a career here, too. Exactly. He's, he's doing really well right now. They got a game tonight. I wish I could go. Um, Didn't get him on my fantasy team. Kind of regret it now. <laughs> Had him last year. A lot of people sleeping on him. A lot of people sleeping yeah. on Changed him. Change numbers, everything. Yeah. And sure. as, far as, as far as that goes, like, bringing players back, bringing history. Like, how – because all the coaches obviously have different backgrounds, but how? what's your background? How did you end up at losing here? Um, it was a situation where the, where the coach left kind of late in the game where they, they posted the job, I guess, you know, pretty late. I didn't start coaching there until uh, June. My first day at losing her was graduation day 2017. Wow. So it was really late in the game. Um, I had been coaching at Long Beach for about seven years, and then I had uh, gone over to Paramount High School to become the offensive coordinator there. A buddy of mine was a head coach. Uh, he had had open heart surgery. He asked me to come help him out because he wasn't going to be able to, you know, function for a little while. 
So I helped him out for a year, and then this opportunity uh, came around. And I was my intention was I was going to go coach at Crenshaw High School, but just something God just talked to me. It's literally, and I'm I'm not like super religious or anything like that, but God really spoke to me and said, "Hey, this is where I want you to go." You know, I, it, it was weird where I was like, "Okay," I was like, "Something's telling me to go to Luzinger," and I said, "Okay, well if this happens, then I'll go," and it happened. You know, like okay, if they call me and tell me I got the job today, then it, then I'm gonna go. They called me like 30 seconds later. I said, wow. And, but I had a meeting over at Crenshaw High School, and I was still kind of halfway like, man, I want to – because that was my first place ever coaching was at Crenshaw with Coach Garrett. My first four years coaching was with him. Mm-hmm. And we were supposed to have a meeting to discuss how we are going to do things that season. And I said, well, I'm going to go to the meeting, and I think I'm going to go to Crenshaw anyway. The meeting got canceled. Mm-hmm. I didn't cancel it. They canceled it. Like all the coaches were supposed to go, and it got canceled. I was like, okay, God, I got you. I'm going. And I just said, okay, this is this is the place for me. This is where I'm, this this is where I'm going to be. This is where you want me to go. That's I, that's it. It's done. And as far as I know, you talked about off mic. You said um, you coached on the Centennial team. Yeah, I was an assistant coach with uh, Eric Scott. He was the head coach at Compton Centennial. I was there. I believe it was 2009. Uh, went over to help him out. You know, yeah. he, he needed some some help, and it was uh, that was that was probably one of my one of my greatest experiences because the year before I got there, they had gone one and nine. And I know, and I know uh, that's my guy, that's my brother. So I went and helped him out, and uh, we ended up having the only undefeated uh, league championship season in Compton Centennial history. That was that was a pretty special season. I remember that because they beat, we got beat badly by Centennial that last, our last. I think it was our last either our last game of the regular season before the playoffs, or second to last. I think it was our last because I think we played El Segundo on senior night. But, yeah, we lost to Centennial. We were like, wow. It was impressive because I remember, like, people used to look at Centennial as a laughing stock. Exactly. But then it's like, wait, no. Oh, they they bullying people. And that culture kind of changes. And I feel like no matter where you go as a coach, when you see that, you carry a piece of that with you. So how are you kind of molding and shaping Luzinger's image? Um. Because I've I've been a part of a couple of teams that were were very successful, and just you know being a, a when I when I first started at Crenshaw it was 1999 that's a long time ago, uh, in 1999, uh, in 98 I think Crenshaw was three and seven before we got there in 99, and we came in and went to the championship game, uh, so you know as a first year coach, I was a frost off uh, coach. And I coached the receivers on the varsity level, just, you know, just kind of helping out. And just that experience where all I knew as a coach was championship, you know. And then the next year, I think we went to the semifinals and so on. And and that kind of built the Crenshaw, you know, kind of dynasty that it was for so long where Crenshaw, you know, has won like, I think, four or five championships since then. You know what I mean? But we kind of set the tone for that culture. I think the first championship victory was in 2005. Um that was that was a great experience, you know. And when I left there, I went to Santa Monica High School, where the year before I became the offensive coordinator, they were 0-9-1. But I had already gone through that experience at Crenshaw. And, okay, these are the things that we need to fix. got to fix this, this, and this, the attitude, the understanding of the game, and just teaching the game of football in detail. And the first year we went 6-5, and five, uh, lost in the first round of the playoffs. And then the next, with a very young team, mind you, and then the next year in 2000, that was 2000, uh, 
that next year we went eight and three, and we went to uh, we lost in the first round with you know with like a fourteen year old sophomore quarterback, fifteen uh, year old uh, freshman tailback. You know we were, we were really young, but but at that time uh, because we had had so much success with so many young kids. Our head coach at the time, I was offense coordinator, our head coach at the time got an offer to go coach in Virginia. I think they paid him like some ridiculous amount of money to go coach in Virginia. And I got a call to, to, to go coach in what was now forming called the Pac-5 when it first started yeah. back in uh, uh, early 2000, mid-2000s. So I went down to Long Beach and became an offensive coordinator down there at uh, Long Beach Jordan High School, and we're trying to build something down there. So we got a chance to really, you know, just – got a chance to install some culture in some places and kind of do things. And people look at it in a certain way. Some people don't like the way, you know, sometimes I do things or whatever, but I feel like it works. I feel like it's, it takes a little while to take hold, but once it does, it, I think it's a, it's a really, really special thing. Did you and coach Clark coach together at Santa Monica? No, he was there. I believe, uh, there was another coach who came in after we all left and I went to long beach and, uh, Burnett went to, Virginia. There was mm-hmm. another coach that was there for about three years, and then Coach Clark came in, okay. and he really put the hammer down at Santa Monica. He was really, you know, I think he won like Coach of the Year over there or something like that. He, he yeah. did an awesome job over there. And with the rivalry, because I know like Lawndale for a long time wasn't a part of the Mayor's Cup at all, right. and you guys beat Hawthorne and lost Lawndale. But how has that rivalry kind of intensified, and how how do you feel like? With them winning a state title, coming back next year, how do you feel like the the city, at least those three between those three schools, how do you feel like um where's kind of the uh the anticipation and you know, the intensity? Where do you feel like that's at now? I think with Lawndale, they kinda of set a standard, you know what I mean, with, with, with the guys that they have, uh and the, just that talent level and the coaching and and you know that's kind of, you know we 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 want to beat those guys. I mean that's that's the team that we really want to whoop them. So we feel like next season, with those guys that came in at the same time as me, year four, I think that'll be the time that I think we'll be able to to kind of take this thing over and really take it to another level. You know, don't tell Clark I said that, but gotcha. you know, <laughs> but uh, I feel like that one. That one. I mean, and that'll be awesome if we can pull that off. You know, the the the, the reigning state champ right now. Uh, they're rolling through, you know, their division and doing their thing. It's like, okay, if we can knock them off next season, I think that'll be an accomplishment. Um, with Hawthorne, I think it's it became a to me and my team, it became a super rival rivalry game. Uh, we had our uh, it, I'm gonna keep it real with you. We had our scrimmage uh, pre week zero scrimmage against San Clemente. Mm-hmm. Which is you know a week before the pre before the week zero starts. Yeah, the Hawthorne team showed up with their jerseys on at our scrimmage, sat in the stands, walked on it, came on the sideline. After the game, they came onto the field. You know that's you know you know in football that's that's that's, that's the ultimate disrespect. That's like three things of disrespect that happened before that. Like, yeah. in old days, would have been like, wait, why are y'all even here? And that's how we felt. Like, what are you doing here? Like, what? Like, what's really going on? And they came on, you know. They were and they were talking trash. I'm like, and you and you talking trash. We're trying to do our little post scrimmage conversation, talking about what we're going to do on Saturday. We're going to watch film. Da 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 da. And here they are. It's like, dude, what are y'all doing? It was it was totally disrespectful. 
You know what I mean? And I think if you, and even, I mean, there's other stuff that went on, like between the two teams, but it really made it personal to me. Gamesmanship. Oh, to, uh, over the summer, we're throwing, we're, we have a passing league game going on, and uh, we're, at a, we're at the same location, but we weren't scheduled to play each other. And the coach from the other side of the field, like way down on Barnes, me and you, let's play right now. Don't run from it. Come on. I'm like, I thought we had already said we wasn't going to play each other, bro. And you're going to call me out in front of all these people in the stands. And, oh, that coach scared. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. That's not it. And I was like, no, that's okay. That's okay. We'll see you during the regular season. So that's, that's, and that really made it personal for me, for him to call me out in front of all those people, in front of my team. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, coach, let's play. Oh, no, nah, we're not going to play these dudes right now. We're not going to give them that. Because we've already beaten them two times in a row. We beat them. I mean, we scored 50 the first two times that we played them. You know what I mean? And the second time it was a closer game, but it was like we just, we just want to make sure that this year they understood we're going to make it as physical as possible. And what was the score this year? Uh, 30, 38 to 6. <laughs> but we we wanted to make it physical, punishing, hard-hitting, never quitting, just, just lay wood every chance we got, and I think we did that. And as far as kind of – you talk about homegrown talent. That's kind of – I look at like an Inglewood – and it's scary. Like, they put in 60, 60 buckets on everyone. And you got you got schools, and I talked this with other with other guests, like Dorsey, who lost a bunch of talent. Like, certain schools, like, just losing a ton of talent to transfers. Other situations, you're fighting all that. You got bigger schools coming down to the South Bay. They recruit. Talked to Coach Clark and he talked about how it's like, yeah, it's a culture that exists. And but how are you kind of handling essentially the whole the transfer culture and how pretty much anyone can go anywhere now? Um, like how how have you kind of had to rein that in or just try to, it? try to coach my guys that I have? You know what I mean? You really have to teach the game, teach the fundamentals of the game, and try to give your kids. Uh, all the advantages that you can as far as fundamentals and technique on how to win a football game. I mean, we lost, I lost <laughs> the fastest kid at our school, uh, transferred out. Uh, he ran a 10, 800 meters as a sophomore transferred that hurt. Uh, we lost two other kids, uh, that play receiver that were like six, two and six, three transferred, you know, but you know, here we are sitting at three and two and, you know, trying to fight for a playoff spot. You know what I mean? Just coach the guys you got and, you know, roll with those guys and, and, and try to teach them the best you can. You know, we, we – and what I would like to see is the kids in the neighborhood see us being successful with the guys that they see at the 7-Eleven on the weekend, see at the CVS, see those guys being successful and going to college and say, okay, man, I don't have to go way over there to go to school. I can come right here, right around the corner, walk to school every day. And go to college, uh, we got a kid. We have like four kids on our mm-hmm. team that have 4.0 GPAs. Uh, Solomon Hoya is a kid who, who's already gotten an offer to uh, University mm-hmm. of Nevada, you know, and committed. You know, and he's a junior with a 4.0. So it can be done here, you know. And, and like I've been here for, for two years. Uh, this is my third year coming up. We've already got three kids in the, in the college right now on full rides. So, you know, it's, it's something that can happen here. Like we'll only have six seniors mm-hmm. this year, but next year we have a pretty good – pretty big uh senior class 20 something kids yeah you know and i want to get at least you know a few of those guys in the school maybe like seven eight 
those guys going into school. And as far as that, because, I mean, you look at – I talked to Conor Morissette of Scorebook Live, and he talked about how, like, even if you took away Bosco and Modern Day, that power vacuum isn't going anywhere. So do you have you ever felt like, yeah, we could look to bring in some transfers, or are you kind of on the, nah, we'll just have our guys. We'll, we'll worry about here and anything else. Because, I mean, losing – Losing kids hurts, and you. It, a lot of times, no one really talks about like, oh, this school lost you know, a bunch of talent, and people wonder like, well, why are they bad? It's not that they're bad; it's just they lost a bunch of talent. Um, Sarah and the Nar, like I was watching, I've been watching Narbon for a while now, and I look at the fact that like they just beat Lindell. I look at the fact that when they beat Sarah. Like three of Sarah's best players went to go play at Narbonne. Like they, I think it was not Mason, not Wade. I think I don't think it was Mason Williams, but it was um, two corners and a safety. I think, and it's, it's like well, that's how they're doing it. Obviously, everyone's different, and going forward with with what losing here's doing, do you feel like? getting back to kind of a level of supremacy in the South Bay to where teams are kind of either afraid to play losing or they know like when they come to losing or it's they're they're getting some of that old losing or that old mystique. Like, do you even, do the kids even worry about that? Or it's just, is it just a whole new era? I think for us, we're taking it one game at a time. Uh, just trying to, to, to win the next game that's in front of us. Um, I'm not turning down kids who want to transfer to losing. That's not what I'm saying. But we're not really going out and trying to recruit kids from other schools. No. You know, if they want to come, I'm okay with that. Of course, anybody's yeah. okay with a talented kid coming into your program if they can help you, if they're going to do things the right way. You know, everybody wants that. Um, but what we're really focusing on is the guys that are here with us, making sure they get their grades right. You know, they, they, they're not just prepared to graduate. I don't really talk about graduating from high school. I'm talking to my kids every day about going to college. I want you to be college prepared. Cause, and people don't understand there's a difference between being a high school graduate qualifier and being a college entrance qualifier. There's different levels to the game. Okay. So I'm trying to make sure that they clearly understand that my goal for you is not just to graduate from high school, but to go on to college. Because you can graduate with a 2.0. But it's very difficult to get into college with the 2.0. So, you, so our goal is 3.0 minimum for our kids. You know, so we, we, you know, we just try to set that standard, you know, with the guys that we have, and just try to coach the heck out of them, and, and really make sure that, hey, man, you know, do the right thing, be respectful to your teacher, don't talk back. You know, what I mean, don't talk back to that security guard, don't talk back to that administrator. You know, be respectful to the teacher. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. We, I, and that's, and these are conversations that I've had with my team on multiple occasions where it's like. We'll, 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 we'll talk about things like, hey, I want you to do something weird today. I want you to say, yes, sir. And then I want you to look at the person you're saying it to and look at the reaction on their face. They're going to look at you like you're crazy. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. And the kids will come back and say, yeah, coach. Oh, man, they thought I was crazy. They just kind of – and a lot of times people will take a step back and look at the kid like, whoa, he said, yes, sir. He said, yes, ma'am. Because that's something that's, that's kind of – it kind of died in the 80s or 90s or something, man, just, you know, opening the door for people and holding it and stuff like that. So we talk about those things, just trying to build a culture with, with the young men and, and making sure that they understand it's not okay to cuss in front of adults. You know, it's not okay to cuss at all, but just 
you know, just the, the respect factor. Yeah. You know, just, just, just a different, different deal. And with, you know, league play coming up, what's your outlook on, on what you guys have before you? And, you know, the history you guys can make going back to the playoffs. It's going to be tough. You know, we got some, we got Peninsula, Redondo, Miracosta, Palos Verdes, Compton Centennial. You know, uh, most of those teams are really good. You know, a lot of talent, um, a lot of money behind them, a lot of personal trainers and dietitians and all that stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to compete with that, but that's, I mean, that's, that's the, you know, that's the schedule that's been put put in front of us. So that's what we're going to play. You know, we start off with Peninsula this Friday night uh, at Peninsula. They're bringing out lights, so it's going to be a night game. So, you know, it's, it starts off there. Just kind of see where we are, see if we measure. You know, we want to measure up and 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 let's see let's see what it is. Let's see see what we can do. Yeah. And as far as kind of, because I mean, in an environment like that, like you're not just battling the team, <laughs> like you know. Whether it's the rest, the crowd, whatever, just getting to the game, getting settled, the visitors' locker room, all those things. Like, how in your coaching experience have you handled that? Whether it was trading tape with somebody, not getting tape back. Like, how have you kind of handled those things? And how, what are some of the things that stood out to you? Well, we know uh, going into that situation, going into the, going into league play, we know we're down fourteen points when we get there. I mean, it's just like going to Orange County. The referees are not going to be on your side, buddy. And we, we know that. So don't you complain. Don't you talk crazy to the ref. Don't get into a shoving match with somebody. Don't you punch anybody. Don't you get, don't, what are you getting mad for? We told you before you got on the bus to go. The referee's not going to give you that call. He's holding me. Oh, so what? Okay, we've gone over how to get the holding off of. We, we've gone over how to expose the holding. You know what I mean? We have different techniques and fundamentals for that. So don't give me an excuse. Okay, because there's 14. They might as well put 14 points on the board or give us negative 14. When we get there, and we know that already. You know what I mean, when we Orange County and over here with these guys, we know what it's going to be already. We know it's going to be some touchdowns called back. We understand that coming in the door, so we just got to compete even harder for that. Yeah. Anything else you want to add as far as you know, the senior class, the leadership of the team, anything? I mean, I love this team. I think this is the best uh, that that I've felt about the team since I've been here is as, as far as just like the direction that we're going in. Um, we got some really good, uh, a couple of really good guys that are starting to kind of emerge as leaders. We got Peter Tukatow who's starting to emerge as a leader. Uh, Marcus Jackson, um, just, you know, he had to take over the quarterback spot because our starting quarterback um, broke his foot, you know, our running back uh, broke his foot as well. You know what I mean? So Peter's taking over the tailback spot. Marcus is taking over at the quarterback spot, and those guys—I mean, it's—it's it's amazing, just just uh, just what they've done as far as they're playing both ways. They're old school football, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like when he's playing quarterback and safety, you know, Peter's playing middle linebacker and tailback. Smash mouth, smash mouth, hit you in the face, um, you know, just just bringing the wood every play. He's playing at a—I mean—and Peter's playing the best football that I've seen him play. He started every game since I've been here as a coach. He started for me as a sophomore, and he started every game. Uh, for us at middle linebacker. Now he's starting to tailback, and he's doing a great – I think he's rushed over 100 yards every game he started. I don't think he had like a buck 51 game, a buck 70 another game. He's really, really stepped it up. And I just I just love to see that that old school mentality where it's like, you know, they just – they don't come off the field like 
you know, Marcus is our long snapper. I mean, he just he just they they do it all. It's real old school football. Yeah, and I know Coach Brown, one of the the coaches on staff, he actually was one of my coaches at Lawndale. And yeah, it's I'll just say it because I graduated and I'm removed from it. I can say there's a stigma against South Bay teams, in particular schools like Lawndale, Hawthorne, Luzinger. For some reason, we just don't get calls. You play at El Segundo, expect not to get some calls. You go to North Torrance or South, especially South Torrance. Yeah, I, I don't. It's sad that the quality of refereeing in that regard, that aspect hasn't changed. Not that all the refs are bad because they're not, but there is a there is a certain pocket to where I've noticed it, and I kind of wish they would fix that, but. You know, it is what it is. You got to you do what you do. You control what you can control. Uh, one last question, though, because I know they're switching from, from max preps to scorebook live. Have you had to deal with that yet, or are you still? I'm still I'm still on max preps. Uh, that's where I kind of go to get my information from is max preps and cow preps. Um, I haven't really used the, the scorebook live one yet. I think our athletic director may have to use it because that's what – CIF is is requiring that they use you know to input information, but I haven't really dealt with that yet. I'm yeah. still, on, still on the max prep deal. Cool. So it's probably like a grace period because I just I hope so. Yeah, because I was talking to Morissette. He's like, eventually, yeah, they're trying to be like almost the ESPN stat book of like live updates for high school games. I'm like, it's gonna take a while. Yeah, like it's gonna take a while before it trickles down, but it's interesting that that's happened. But thank you, Coach Barnes, for coming on. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh, anything else you want to wrap it up? Floor's yours. Uh, no, I mean, you know, just hopefully people come out to the game on Friday out of Peninsula and come out and support us uh, for the rest of the season. You know, we, we, you know, just come out and support the kids. Definitely. Thank So, yeah, Kenny, shout out to you for making that interview happen. Thank you. There's still like 15 oh. seconds left in it, but whatever. We can hear ourselves. It's all good. We're going no, no, no sound effects on the he- headphones either, so... Whatever There's we no played through it. My, there's no snare in my head. It's not the first time. But anyway, shout out to Coach Barnes. He's going to be playing Peninsula, their first night game in years. And like we talked about, there really is like some might say it's racial, some might say it's like just how the other half lives. But there's been a really bad stigma and kind of a tension between refs and the schools in the South Bay, in particular, Londo losing or Hawthorne. We're like, we're just not getting the benefit of any calls when we go to these other schools that are either predominantly white or just in nicer areas. My Socioeconomically favorite, speaking. My favorite part of the whole interview was, um, you know, he was pretty candid, which was which was cool. But, you know, just him talking about kind of some of the parallels between some of the parallels and also differences between, you know, like them and Lawndale and Hawthorne. And then specifically, you know, talking about a coach essentially calling him out. Like, that's crazy. passing league tournament. But even even just this whole angle on, you know, just trying to really coach the guys that he has and do the best with the talent that's given to him and and keeping it local. You know, like you said, he's not turning anyone down, but at the same time, that's not where his focus is. His focus is on the people he has and the people in the community, which, you know, is what High school football should be about, anyways. And what he talked about, like he lost 
his fastest player and a couple other recruits to other schools. It happens. Um, we always talk about what transfers are going where, and we follow the transfer, but we don't always look at the school that that kid leaves where he would have been the best player on that team. But now let's say he's a part-time starter on, you know, Modern Day or Bosco or whatever. And then also he said off the air, as I said before we started, he said they've had the same weight room outside, which really isn't a weight room at all, like a makeshift weight room outside in a big white tent on Rosecrans. You can see it from the gate standing outside on the street where all their weights are, you know. So with all the construction going on, with all the academic, all the money being pumped in academics, and some of these, most of these kids being football players and scholar athletes at the same time, it's just been kind of a historical thing in the Cincinnati Valley School District to where athletes just don't, they don't get, athletics doesn't get the money it should probably deserve or, you know, or even warrant. But I think that kind of brings everything back to what you were first talking about when you were talking about, you know, reengaging the alumni and Legacy. finding people who've been there, who've been there before because, Ultimately, I mean that's kind of how you 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 raise funds. Like that's how you build your booster program up. Like that's how you get the extra stuff that you need. I mean, ultimately the the weight room. I mean, you can't do too much about that. But the other stuff at least can start with getting your alumni back reengaged. I know. Yeah, the base. And I, I mean, and if you can get a pro player like in your tenure, like that helps a lot too. John Ross I know, is working out there in the off season. Yeah. So exactly. So it's like if those kind of guys can get money, like for instance, Birmingham when I coached there, you know, that was when Malik Jackson had just won the Super Bowl and just got the big contract from the Jaguars. So he was really putting a lot into the school, having camps there, you know, helping them get their fill back up, helping them do some events and some fundraising. So any, any of that sort of stuff helps. But it, And it doesn't even always have to be a pro player. I mean, it could just be someone who went to college, played ball, someone Local. who was important to the community, some someone people remember. But, yeah, man, speaking of people you might remember, speaking of community members. Speaking of, uh, you know, culturally concise commentary. Speaking of my fellow Bay Area family, what's good, intern sir? Don't ever social media, sir. Don't ever press that button ever again while somebody from the Bay Area is saying "yeet." You understand me? Welcome home. Welcome back. Hi, people. So, for the listeners who don't know, why don't you let them know where you were? Where you spend the last month of your life? And how sad you are to be back. (laughs) <laughs> so, about a week ago, about a week ago, okay, uh, I came back from Japan. I was there for a month, um, from August 23rd to September. Um, yeah, it was absolutely amazing, and I had to come back to the ghetto, which is <laughs> the United States. Not even just L.A., just this whole country the in general. The slums. So, um, but I enjoyed myself. I went exploring and... Uh, Tokyo and um, Yokosuka on the base side where my brother is because he's in the military in the Navy in specific blah 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 sorry guys I'm high 
Um, <laughs> I don't even think you're high. Doing. I think you're nervous. No, no, I just been so high and, and jet lagged that I haven't been here. You I'm had, still in transit because I don't want to believe that you had to I, make up for that month. Yeah, that that month tangent, right? and the life was And the fucked up thing was that that week, that same week, I got strep throat because they Oof. had a family uh, day at the the base on the on the boat on the Reagan and they had everybody's families come in and they did a fleet show which was pretty cool but I guess somebody's nasty ass kid or somebody has strep throat and the, I party that night I got fucked up that night with those people with the Navy people they drink sailors drink of course and uh, I thought I could keep up so I was hung over and and it just kept going the next few days and then I found out that there was a case of strep throat going around so I had to deal with that the first week I got there but then uh, I was able to bounce back eat and explore and do a lot of things and then after I lost my wallet for a periodic time but Japan is dope as fuck they returned my wallet to the police station. Damn, so, that never happened. Exactly. That's that why I never said. That's here. why I said. I was so sad that I had to come back to the ghetto because you. I would have never thought that if I had dropped in here in L.A., any other state, New York or wherever, I would not find my wallet again. Maybe no your phone. Take like a five hundred point. Hit. Maybe your phone, but for sure not your wallet. For they sure not. Returned everything, even with my money, everything. So. It, I, this is my second time being there, so it was a lot more chill for me to go there because I wasn't as overwhelmed. So I was able to enjoy myself that much more. Um, but yeah, I'm back. So we asked you this off air, and we told you to hold the answer, but let us and the listeners know, what was the absolute best thing that you ate during your whole month there? Like, what is it that you still remember that you're celebrating just thinking about like everything <laughs> uh but like i said i have my go-tos i have my moods so i can't sit here and say i had a favorite thing because all of it's my favorite but i guess my absolute number one thing is ramen but that, that is there is there any place that you can remember where you were just like oh my top two was the one uh that was right around the corner from my brother's place and um there's a chain that's called Furyu uh, Ramen, and it's uh, Hakata style. So there's like thin noodles, and mm. that was the place that I kept going to. And you say Kaidama, and they'll give you two free, or they'll give you a refill. So you get what? two free refills of noodles. So I was, that's that was by far my favorite. Yeah, that's yeah. live. So you just sit there and like it, it's crazy because I I've sat there and watched most of the people just sit there and chow down their noodles and then like <laughs> they get their meal not even like five minutes later like you know when you see the anime yeah. and you see them stuff their face it's true like yeah. they're literally five minutes and they're like ah oh, kadema and they're like ah hi like what do you want and they'll tell them the style that they want and then they'll bring it out and then another five minutes they eat that shit they're like uh oh, bring me another one they serious about they eat. I mean, when they eat, and then, I mean, you kind of have to eat noodles with chopsticks like that, though. But like, because otherwise, I mean, it, you can swirl them around, but yeah, but it's just more it's efficient just a to way, scoop it like, in. And then you're supposed to slurp, <laughs> like, yeah. like you're supposed to slurp. Out yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when you slurp, it means that the food is good. But like, they chow down. Like, it's crazy how much they eat. Like, 
There's another place that was my favorite was the sushi place, and they um, charge you by the plate, mm. and each plate is like eighty cents. Wow! And uh, you stack it, and I've seen people stack their plates up to like fifteen, twenty plates. Damn, that's some Kobayashi yeah. shit. But like these people, it's like one person. They're sitting. I'm looking at their plates. I only have like seven, thinking I'm a pro, and I turn around. They're there's like 15, 20 plates stacked, and I'm not exaggerating. Like, it was. And they're probably like no bigger than you. No. No. And they were just skinny. getting started, most likely. Yeah. Like, I've noticed it's a constant. Like, they're always eating. So there's always a place to eat. Like, you can't. Even when you go into the little convenience stores, they have food ready to go for you. Like, they're always eating. But, like, at the same time, you're always walking around and going. To your destination by foot. So whether it's walking off the bus or walking off the train, you're basically walking everywhere. So I'm not surprised that, you know, they're always eating because they're constantly on the move. Like, I rarely did I see somebody who was, like, morbidly, morbidly, I can't even speak, y'all. Morbidly obese. Yes. Like, to the point where they're on the wheelchair and somebody has to push them, you can tell that they just eat. Like, there's people that were big, but for the most part, um, you don't see people that are, like, overweight to the point where it's like, oh, there's something wrong. So, um, yeah. And their hygiene is interesting, how sanitary they are, and just how polite they are. It's pretty amazing. Um, and just how they do things, and et cetera, it, it makes you look at... America completely different because you're like this is a lot of things that are simple and you think it's so complex because you're in a different country but as soon as I got there and you're doing all these things whether it's getting on the bus and the train how you do certain things on the bus or how you interact with people it makes more sense than it what than what we're doing out here so sometimes I wonder like is America really the greatest like I mean, we do have a lot of privilege out here, but at the same I time. Mean, but you know what's crazy? You only have to go back, what, 65 years to answer that question. The last, the last person Woo! to like, actually America. cry out slavery. You know what's funny, though? It was I, was I met a friend that I went to college with. America. Uh, America. He's from Japan. And I asked him, I said, what do you guys think of Trump? And they like Trump, but the thing is, they don't. He keeps us going backwards, but and them the going thing forward. is, they don't see the, what what happens inside. You know, like the inside politics. And it's also like, I mean, what they like him anyway. But they like him because he he's interfering with the politics between China and Japan, and China have a thing. So in the yeah, sense that it's like. He's helping them out. So it was like, I wanted to be like, yo, you don't know what he's doing. But at the same time, it's like, I'm care. in a whole different world. I mean, yeah. They I, care about. I think so the other part, too, is because, like, you know, you don't always understand racial and social, you know, mm -hmm. dynamics of another country. Right. So it's like to them, they might not understand all the different layers of problematic yeah, no, shit that Trump does. They no. definitely don't. They so. don't in terms of the day to day, but they understand racism. Mm, yeah, but not, not really. in the same context that we do. It's my different. my brother's ex. I remember the first time I went out there, I had to explain to her 
like the civil rights movement and like the the effects of racism racism still in our system whether it's you know the prison and education she and she was like in awe after i was explaining to her even though like her english and my japanese was so limited i was like simply um telling her like no we still go through discrimination a, B, C, and D, blah, 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 blah. So they were in shock. But it's, it's just like you think it's the like, more you know, the more you see, right? So right. it's like but someone who... But they don't who, see that, you yeah, know what exactly. I mean? Yeah, exactly. Someone who's been here or lived here for years, they might understand it more than someone yeah, who exactly. only knows America through right. Hollywood and movies and the internet. Yeah, they definitely don't see that. So. Global media is definitely different. Like, someone who's from here, but from there, like, they live here, went to school here, but their roots are in another country and they can go back home. They kind of can see both sides of the picture. Yeah. So there's also like that that weird kind of line where it's like, yeah, they know what it is, but like you said, you go over there, it's a whole other world. And like it just made me like, kind of, not like when I say like a wake up call, it just kind of made me go like, huh, like I can't sit here and always press my opinions on somebody because. Here I am in a whole different country, and they have no idea what's going on. And they're this person's not even really affecting uh, their day to day life. So it's just int- it was just interesting. And like I said, I love it there. I miss it. I already missed it as soon as I landed in LA. As soon as they said, "Oh, we are forty five minutes in arrival to LA," I was already just my lips was curled up and just in attitude. But, I mean, I did miss it out here, um, but I definitely want to make my way back, so. Did your flight get delayed? Yes, that's how I knew that I was going back to the ghetto, <laughs> okay? When I was going to Japan, no delay. It was perfect, straight there. I got breakfast and lunch on the flight, okay? Maybe it wasn't great, great A, but I got breakfast and lunch. Alright, so Spirit Compared to coming never. back and it already got delayed And then they take forever to land And get to the to the damn airport And when you want a can of soda instead of a cup They look at you funny And they <laughs> want to charge you $4 And give you extra salty peanuts with no fucking water And you know what was the cool thing? What do you guys want to roast me about? When I was at McDonald's Hold on, let me finish off with this oh, I went to shit. their McDonald's And I asked for a Sprite But what? I don't know how to say no ice Because they don't know what I... They don't know what that means. They know what ice is. Get the fuck out of here. But look, but if, I said, if I said little ice or whatever, they would have got confused. I don't know how to say, I don't know how to speak Japanese. So it's limited. All right, all right. Okay. I thought you meant like they didn't use ice. I'm like, fam. Guess what? Bro, they did, but they gave me light ice and I didn't have was to it say anything. Than what you said this weekend? They didn't. Look, listen, I'm yeah. trying to tell y'all. They knew what's up and they didn't give me ice. They gave me light ice. And I was like, wow. Was the soda cold? Yes, it was nice and crisp and cold with light ice. And I was like, wow, they didn't charge Did you let me it sit for a minute? $2. Yes, I let it sit there. Even when it's hot and humid as hell out there, it was still crisp. Are you sure about that? Okay, okay. Every McDonald's is different. I heard in some yeah. uh, McDonald's in like France, they serve literally like McFrog legs and shit. Their service is so great in McDonald's. Like literally, it was packed and I was like the fourth person in line and there's two people ahead of me already and I literally ordered my food as soon as I got my thing and sat down within two minutes my order was ready and accurate were there like homeless people no and, and like in Shibuya 
in Shinjuku, there's like you can see some homeless people, but it's not like Skid Row. No, no way in hell. Damn, we the poorest, stupidest, richest country ever. So on that note, yeah. I guess we should talk about football. <laughs> yeah, there's a, I heard yeah. there's some things that happened. Yeah, Kenny and I went to the Rams game this weekend. That oh, shit was a shit show. No invite. Called off work for the. We literally went last minute. Like I called off work. Like I literally texted him at noon, and the game started at one. TFDI. Yeah. I'm just saying, like we thought you were still jet lagged, so I, I'm gonna give you that. I was still jet lagged, yeah. but TFTI. Next one we go to the USC. You said, damn, like, like the USC. You don't even believe me. She don't even believe hey, me. That's sir, up. sir, if you can believe me, That's I'm not. Up. I'm not. I'm not. Give he, me a heads he, up. He's, he's from the IE. All they do is lie. You gonna be real with me? I'm being honest with you, straight up. We having the tailgate. <laughs> USC UCLA, pick a side, but don't pick UCLA. Um, and it's gonna be we're gonna have a tailgate. We're gonna have a live recording out there and pull up. So when you and guys were gonna inform me, you guys you've guys been like, out of the country. I have still been in contact with y'all. I've, have you not like noticed? Like we mentioned it on like almost every episode. Like I talk mad shit about UCLA, but still. What tell you? What tell the formerly sat there and said, "You want a formal letter?" By the way, where's your notebook? Where's your notebook? Yeah, my notebook notebook for like seven weeks. My notebook is is at the house. It has a lot of uh, weed residue on there because I've been rolling up a lot lately on there. But (laughs) Uh, I couldn't bring it. TFTI, TFTI. (laughs) 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 I was saying that for Kenny, not me. TFW. The fucking nerve I mean TFN Yeah But yeah man So the game was fun I was wasted I killed a pitcher Before we even left Spilled all your lobster fries And I had to give you Half my jerk chicken fries Oh I forgot about that That was the ultimate Sacrifice as a friend I did it without even I just gave him Half my fries And he almost dropped That shit too By the way so sad That jerk chicken uh, Quesadilla Was next level and then when the the Rams lost to their former player in Dominican Sue, Rams fans and Rams media slandered all season saying he wasn't worth it. And then he single-handedly recovered a, the game-winning touchdown. Fumble return Fumble. for a touchdown. Scoop and score. Like 60 yards. Yep. Big man touchdown. Yep. So I was just Fumble running around can. talking shit to Rams fans. In year what, 13? Nah. Is, Is it? 12, damn man? 12, 13? Him and no, nah, uh, I don't think he's. I think it's year ten, bro. Because he's like thirty two. Yeah, it's, it's up there. So he, I think it's like year ten. All I know is that the multiple fights we avoided in the stands, the fight you almost got into at the end of the game by yelling out "Sue, <laughs> Sue," you kept saying "Sue." I was not saying it like that, bro. Oh, you're, you're exaggerating How were you saying, saying it then? How were you okay. saying it then? Sue 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 Yeah, I was not saying it like that Yes, He's you were like Yes, that. you were No, I was you're not, gonna lie? You're gonna lie I swear to God I was not saying it like that You're going to hell then Because you're lying Yeah, I was not saying it like you that You definitely Bro Okay 
I need okay. to invest in You heard like, what you wanted to hear, which is Bro, you can ask the other two. You can ask the other people who were there yeah, you, who were like restraining you and keeping you from falling on your face because you were fucked no, up. No, I wasn't doing it like that, bro. You were I yelling out, like, Sue. Sue. And you get that high pitched, annoying thing I that you going, do. Sue. Yeah, which is what I just did. Like a boo And but then you soon. were like So No You were doing that you I did not do that Yes bro. you did You did no, it by the bathroom Did anybody have a recording of this No cause we don't snitch But he did it I did not do and that And he knows he did it I swear and to god And the people who were there with me Know you did it too No And they'll probably bro. be texting you And telling you that you did it Cause you did it but speaking of which, whatever, uh, bro. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Over you snitching on me every that's week. That's not snitching, bro. That's definitely that's snitching, bro. That's not snitching. You brought it up first. That's definitely How is snitching. snitching. If you are not, not only is it snitching, so, but it's lying on me. You're lying, lying on me, I'm snitching. Not lying, You're capping, bro. bro. First off, you never say capping. See what I say about these IE dudes? Yeah. He ain't never talked like this capping, before. Capping, bro. Capping, bro. Oh, don't act like he was comfortable with the word. Sounding like Kylie lying, she ain't going over and get some. You sound like Demi Lovato. <laughs> First off, all eyes. I'm gonna post an Instagram story with just a blue cap, bro, and people are gonna know who I'm talking no, about. It's gonna you. be you. Oh my god. It's gonna be you because you were lying that whole game. Oh my goodness, he would not shut up. I wasn't even there like half the game. When you were there, I wasn't even on the there way to the, the game. Time. On the way, I wasn't even sitting next to you. You were sitting. You were like on right. the other end of me of our group. No, and by the way, you like kept digging in the popcorn bag instead of just taking the fucking popcorn bag out of my hand out like this for thirty minutes. And it wasn't popcorn; it was kettle corn. Kettle corn, whatever. Same difference. Not the same thing. That shit was fire though. It's not the same. That shit was fire, and I wish we would have hit up that beer garden. But whatever. That wasn't the details. But anyway, so yeah, outside of that, um, we're gonna talk about Demi Lovato. No, being trash. No, no, Justin Bieber's trash, and Demi Lovato uh, came out of nowhere. I actually want to get out of here on time, so let's talk about football. Well, I said what I was gonna do. I talked about Demi Lovato. I don't know what else you want from me. Weren't you guys gonna bring up the Shakira and J Lo? Cause it's already been decided Shakira is better than J-Lo No She is No you're literally America and Puerto Rico All of fucking Colombia Okay Cool Okay I'm never slandering Colombia so J-Lo is a hell of a even, performer Even that bartender told you last week Shakira hasn't done shit in like 10 years Here Even Mancini done anything Even Mancini here. told you last week Mancini's- That she had problematic Semantic Comments he always Which is says why that. She's in hiding And underground Not really She wasn't hiding She kinda just been Like a whole ass Bro you're not even adult. A Shakira fan You don't even know Shit about her And you're just Are You're you just, just being problematic Yeah not he's a J-Lo, J-Lo hater J-Lo's he, not that good And he's being problematic Name her best movie Made in Manhattan Doesn't that sound like something J-Lo? else Doesn't sound I heard name? this Hustler movie Is good doesn't, doesn't that sound like A J-Lo Is hater? it Oscar worthy <laughs> Doesn't Isn't that sound like exactly. Selena? No He's, movie with He Kurt. literally said She's bro. not that good in Flex That's literally a hater bro That's not that's a hater literally a That's hater. being honest She can't sing like that She can but carry yet, a tune But, but yet popular performer. But yet He she's couldn't name a Shakira song last week Besides Hips Don't Lie I don't have to Because I respect the culture The only song he named Was Hips Don't Lie No I named like three I named like three And then Ladies Night What were the three? We said some more I don't remember I'm a kind of day 
I don't this dude be lying on me, man. I'm not lying. Fuck, I wish I'm we had more wrong. listeners who listen so every wait. week so they could call your ass out. No, I just wish Even people... Mancini has called you out for First lying, off, bro. He listens to the shit. That's different, but Mancini's track record with Brazilians is ant, so that don't count. Anyway, first so, off. But what was the who made the decision? She's that not Shigeru even Brazilian. She's Colombian. No, but Mancini was talking about Brazilians, and that's why I was like, you can't bring up that argument because that he was talking about Brazilians. Uh, oh, no. she's Colombian. Let's just talk about football. No, no, this, no. This no. Don't try to place conflate right an off-air conversation man, that has nothing to do with the, the point. Place. You got straw man's right now. I said that you cannot sit up here and tell me that Shakira, a global icon who just doesn't get American press anymore like that is smaller yeah like J-Lo is a hotter name she, but outside bro. of the fact that they they force fed they force fed J-Lo down black people's throats with that Motown performance which was trash um, cause she has no Motown history can't actually sing any of those Motown songs and was only around black people long enough to where she could go to the next lick and then she ended up with oh, fucking Brad Pitt doing Geely but everyone wants to forget that that wasn't even Brad Pitt, bro. That's Whatever what his saying. name was, Ben Affleck. Bro, you I don't see, give a shit. Bro, They're the all white thing, dudes. The They're only thing, white dudes. Oh, the only thing worse than your your basketball takes is your celebrity takes. Is knowing how to tell white dudes apart. Okay, that's cool. Anyway, bottom line is I'm not saying bottom J-Lo line is, is terrible, you, but I'm saying she is an industry plant. Bottom line is, can and you, people were probably how about were, this? were pissed at how her about this? being a Puerto Rican playing a Mexican anyway. But you are gonna act like that? How about this? Don't exist? How about this? How no. about this? She's can the you tell me when the last time Shakira even dropped an album? Period, bro. I don't know, but the fact okay. that I know enough about Shakira okay. and her star power should tell you that a actual Shakira fan could be like, "Nah, you got Shakira fucked up." Globally, she's the shit. I'm pretty sure Shakira might have more fans. You're Puerto pretty Rico sure, but you don't does. even know when her last album was, bro. Don't need to. Don't need to. When was her last tour? Don't need to know. All I know is she tours overseas and like bro, has a whole setup over there. Okay, how about this? Like she's how a global, she's a global. Can you act. tell me how many albums she's dropped in the last decade? Come on, you probably a- two. Honestly, I think she might have snuck in one. I'm gonna And you're probably Looking at Wikipedia So what's your final answer I'm gonna say two Probably one in like an EP The answer is four Well well there you go She did one in 2009 Which was an English album Oh shit That is ten years Damn I'm old 2010 2014 Another English album And 2017 Her last tour Was in 2018 Before oh. she got in trouble Oh geez last year Before yeah, she got in she trouble Yeah she had the, uh, the form and everybody was there. Yeah, she was. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay then, bro. You want to talk about? Oh, if you take boy. out J Lo hosting, or like being at the Oscars and doing the BET thing, give me a movie. No one give was me, talking. Give about, me a movie, Shakira. I'm not comparing acting chops. He said nobody's talking about J Lo and just name five incidents. No, besides outside this, of those besides incidents, that, besides bro, this, you can't tell me J Lo is Motown. Look me in my face and tell me J Lo is Motown. What does Motown Lying have to face. do with anything? But, that's that's a, what but, a culture vulture would say. She has no fucking connection is, or impact to Motown, other than she might have listened to it as a kid. The, but she, had, she didn't grow up anywhere J-Lo near is that not culture. A strong singer, she's one hell of a performer. That's my point. That's all I was saying. Is that she has a better talent than her, and arguably she might outshine her at the Super Bowl halftime show. Maybe, maybe not. Okay, let me give you another question. 
You're talking about J-Lo's movie career. You're all doing this off Wikipedia, and we all know it. That's fine. It doesn't matter. And I'm not Wikipedia have to do with I've never seen Shakira acting shit, so I'm not. Exactly. Exactly, bro. You're just you're just being difficult. She's a better musical talent. You're just a better talent overall. No, you didn't. You said she's a bigger superstar and she's a global icon. So stop changing your fucking take. I'm not. I I think both women are beautiful and great entertainers. I think J Lo is the stronger entertainer. Zootopia. Is that a cartoon? <laughs> <laughs> That's she your headliner oh movie. Zootopia was a pretty good movie. Why you really pulled up the Zootopia? I'm, I'm done with this. Yeah, he really went to IMDb. It's a good movie. No, I saw it. It was a decent movie. It was a good movie. It is a good movie. Out of here. You're not going to sit up here and tell me. Oh, my God. You're not going to sit up here and tell me that J-Lo is a better talent than Shakira in the world. If yes, you're talking about singing, you just saying just. I'm not talking about acting. They don't do that. No, I'm talking about just perform. When I say performer, I'm talking yeah. about like her on stage. So I, I'm gonna say because J Lo is just more of a veteran, and I feel like just just more polished. She's just she's in Vegas, or she's been performing in Vegas for like ever. And Shakira just been doing nothing this whole time. I mean, I'm not knocking that. I'm not knocking that. But for this event in the Super Bowl, I'm looking at this from just the Super Bowl. For the Super Bowl, this is uh, J Lo's definitely going to be the stronger entertainer. Well, she's the headliner. I'm not. I'm not displaying that at all. But it's like you have two people who say they're the best. They're one of the best in their fields. But who's better? It's like okay, look at the Clippers. It's the only time I ever bring up the Clippers. Kawhi, Paul George. Who's the better player? Kawhi. But Paul George ain't no slouch. I just think J-Lo's the better performer. That's fine. But I'm not going to sit up here and say, yeah, musically talented. No, because she started as a backup dancer and finessed her way into singing. And was in at that. But J-Lo got some hits, though. She got manufactured industry hits in America. Which are hits. And how many R&B... Pop singers have that same thing. Oh, that's what all I just of them. Said. That's what I just said. Every R and B and pop singer has a cast of producers, a cast of songwriters, a cast of engineers. Like every single song, has I don't like think J Lo could have just started credits. in Puerto Rico and then become a global icon the way Shakira did. Shakira started in Colombia, got big enough to where America had to not ignore her anymore, and then once they had the chance to ignore her, they did. But she didn't just go back to Honestly, Columbia and do bro, nothing. Honestly, you're speaking on shit that you don't even really know about. I'm speaking on shit that I know to be true that you're no, not going to sit here and tell me somebody who's no, bigger. No, you're not because outside. you're talking about... No, you're, you're talking about... Just because she's in America and no, she's been a star I'm not here saying that, that she's been everywhere. You said that I'm last week. I'm not saying that. You're, saying, you're lying. You're saying that because she's not from America, America just forgot about her. She stopped working. She started having a kid. She started raising her family. She's That's not America. America forgot about her and threw her out. Okay, no, bro. Like, what the fuck? Okay, so you're on J-Lo and Andrew Yang's payroll now that we understand. I honestly don't even give a fuck about this topic. You I've just, been trying to change the topic and talk about football for literally 15 minutes. I really don't think you have because you talked about I literally have. You're the only one you, who wants to talk you about You went to IMDb and Wikipedia. who made the fucking post today. fucking around. This shit was dead for a week. It we haven't even talked about for a week. It was talked about last week. 
No. Okay. We have the closer and closer we get to the Super Bowl, I keep that same energy. Keep that same energy. Because when the Super Bowl halftime show comes around and people might, some people are like, you know what? I don't think Shakira did better, even though she wasn't the headliner. I'm going to just look at you like, okay. I don't know, bro. We asked that bartender who said J-Lo was better. You asked one bartender. Would you ask the other four? No, you didn't. So shut My your girl ass up. said J-Lo was better. And your girl also said that Shakira is undoubtedly the better talent. Yeah, but okay, still, J-Lo is a bigger star. I never even here. I never even said Shakira wasn't a better talent. I said J-Lo said is a, a bigger star. Week, bro. You're the one who kept saying, oh I know more Shakira's music than you. What are you talking about? I had her first CD. Bro, I had Shakira. Like, oh, my God, bro. You're, like, you're just speaking on shit you don't even know about. Holy shit, and I'm the culture vulture of the show. I'm not a culture vulture, what but I know fuck? not to shit on somebody from another country who does nobody, great music. Nobody is shitting, Just, nobody is shitting on Shakira. Your yeah, whole like basis J-Lo's of the argument is... Thing, and I'm like, eh, your people whole have called basis, out J-Lo for a while. Though. Your whole basis it's of the argument me. is Shakira is from Colombia. <laughs> And so she has the backing of Latin America, which is bigger like than just Puerto Rico and United States. That's literally South what this America. guy got on the air and talked like about. All of South he America. Got, all of South America is so much bigger. Where did you hide Even though like thirty percent of them don't have internet to stream stuff, but yeah, they're Where definitely bigger. Where did you get that fucking number from? Could you talk like this the rest bigger. of the show? Please talk they're like this the rest bigger. of the show. Shut the fuck up, bro. Like, so I don't even know why you're arguing about this shit like you even fucking care. It's just, it's just my fucking opinion. annoying. You don't care. You don't know about it. And you're not budging. So why the fuck are we talking about this? Why are we using up our fucking precious airline for this bullshit ass? That one, you're not going to budge on. Two, you don't know shit about. And three, you don't even really care about. Shit. You didn't even watch the Super Bowl halftime show last year. You're trash. probably not going to watch it this year. So why the fuck are we talking about this bum ass topic? Holy shit! This is funny. Fuck. This is how I feel when he brings up the Clippers and he says, "I don't bring ball. up the Clippers on this podcast. You bring them up." This nigga's really. This is mad. a football podcast. Holy shit! He's brought up the Clippers before, but okay, I guess our archives. You. All right, cool, man. So, how about the Bengals? Oh my god, the Bungles? Yeah, they're terrible. They are god awful. Like. I honestly think between the Raiders and the Bengals, if you had to, like, torture me with watching one, I might just gouge both my eyes out and just, like, pour bleach in my ears. Like, watching them play is like just watching someone, like, break a bone repeatedly. Who is the worst undefeated or unwinless team? The Raiders haven't won, but they're terrible. But I think it's, it's gotta the be the Dolphins. Uh, I'm gonna say they're bad because we know they're bad. But the Bengals have no excuse to be this bad. Uh, they kind of do. They're going through transition. They still have Andy Dalton, AJ Green's hurt. Um, they still have O line and D line problems. Their secondary and linebackers are getting old. No, Jack Willie Jackson out of Houston's only been in the league like three years. They have young corners. Jesse Bates is a good player. He's only in the second year, third year. Yeah, that's true. Carl they, Lawson, Jordan they, Willis. That's true. That, Gina Lackin's like their oldest player, I think. They've been aging out those um their secondary players. 
Yeah, and they're linebackers. But when it comes to the Bengals, like, they have no excuse to be this bad. The Redskins. That's just incompetence on Gruden's part. Because I think if somebody else was coaching that team, they might be undefeated. I don't know. If you throw in Haskett, like, if you look at how they've played, like, I I don't see them. Bro, winning. Paul Panicate. Richardson is their number one receiver. It was Terry McLaren, but he got hurt. He's a rookie. His hip is growing, but, like, they have, like, the fact that he was Bush League and purposely didn't um, start Adrian Peterson um, and let him be a healthy scratch, that pissed off some of the veterans. Then you go and look at the fact that um, the whole situation with Trent Williams, the fact that he's still not there. Yeah, that's I like, think that's the big part. And that's the medical – like, they're, they're a failure as an organization. So I think, yeah, they're bad, and they kind of deserve it because how they're run. But the Bengals have no excuse to beat this bag. Everybody was talking all this crap about Zach Taylor, and I'm like, bro, did you watch him play in college at Nebraska? Okay, y'all really think just because he was he was pushed and streamlined like a lot of these uh, shitty failed college quarterbacks, they just get streamlined into assistant positions and then become coordinators. And because they run like some type of a spread complex offense, and then you give them a head coaching job that they're just going to be right out of the gate great. It's like, no, that organization has problems too, but they have more talent than the Redskins and the Dolphins. If you look at what they have, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd's great. John Ross, before he got hurt, was doing good. Uh, the defense has some talent. They just can't get it together. So I would have to say the Dolphins, It's yeah, they're just bad because they have no talent. But if you look at the Bengals, they're bad, and they shouldn't be that bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I somewhat agree with you, but I think it's hard when your team's kind of going through a transition. They, I think, hopefully, they can finally get a new quarterback in there and start the, the process. I think it's their O line. I got mean, I'll put it to you this way: I don't know if it's the QB, but it's definitely not not the QB. QB is uh, not yeah. winning them games. Yeah. Uh-uh. Derek Carr. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. So yeah, the Ra- the Raiders actually got the foot off their throat for once. Got a W, beat, the, the beat up the Colts, beat up Jacoby Percet. Technically, that play where Trevor Davis scored, he apparently like was offsides. Or he false started. Whatever, fuck it. But it doesn't count. <laughs> so they didn't call it. So it doesn't count. But And the Colts' top three plays were injured. The matchup of this week, for me at least, is in London. Obviously, Khalil Mack. Versus everybody. Khalil Mack coming back versus his favorite team. Unfortunately, they didn't. For, or I should say, fortunately, they didn't put that game in Oakland because, well, that's a blood probably bath. would have been a riot. That's a bloodbath. Every time back sacked Carr, which every pick, I fully, I fully expect Mac to like get one really good like clean sack on Carr just for you know five years and not being able to do it, and then like some Michael Strahan, Brett Favre shit going on like. Yeah, I can definitely see Derek Carr just like sliding to yeah. not get killed. Yeah, because the left tackles like Colton Miller and Trent Brown are going to get abused, and that interior offensive line is going to get abused if they start doing stunts with him and Leonard Floyd, who's also freakishly athletic. Um, 
and like long, like like an athletic. He's what um, Alden Smith could have been in his prime, from a coverage standpoint. Who's that? Uh, Leonard Floyd, because he definitely isn't the pass rusher that Alden Smith was. Mm. But coverage wise, yeah. And other Ra- Smith is playing. In in other Raider news and linebacker new- adjacent news this week, Vontez Burfick caught a suspension for a hit on. Indianapolis Colts tight end Jack Doyle caught a body. Um, ultimately, the NFL ruled that based off of his resume, I think he's had seven suspensions since he came into the league. He had like twenty-two. He had, I want to say, twenty-two personal fouls in thirty-seven games at ASU. Um, you know, I, I played against him for Centennial. Like his reputation precedes itself for sure, but. For him to catch a whole, what, 12 rest, games? Rest of the season. 12 games? Based off of that, and then you got other guys who play for certain teams in Cleveland and in Kansas City who do questionable things off the field. A lot. Who are still playing, but yet all of a sudden the NFL has the moral compass to kick somebody out who's basically been trained and bred to be a physical headhunter. Do you think the punishments or the fines or what do you, what are you calling them? Like when they, this is a suspension. Okay. So the suspensions, like, do you think it's worse when they do stuff on field or off field? Like, do you think think it's worse? Like they're, they're more lenient on like off field compared to on field or vice versa. I think it's worse off the field, but the NFL is trying to play catch up so much on player safety and PR of making it look like they care about people's concussions, even though they denied it for decades that now they're trying to like, now they're overcompensating. Now they're doing things. They're finding people for hits that even Tom Brady's like, that's not a penalty or, you know, this sort of incidents where they're trying to set an example on Valtez Burfick, but the this one example isn't going to be enough to change what is already a culture that has been built up. Like, you know, he's a year older than me. Like, we grew up in a generation of, like, where that, like, hitting someone in the middle is commonplace, especially if they're tight end who, like, Doyle could have avoided that hit 100%. All he had to do was lay on his back. He didn't do that. He tried to roll over and get up and stand up. Like, what else is he supposed to do? Like, so for everyone saying, like, yeah, Vontez Burfick lowered his head a little bit for sure. But Doyle didn't stand still. So it's not like he was aiming his head directly at his head. It's just Doyle got up, was moving forward, and so their heads He's not a defenseless receiver, as the rule book would say. Exactly, yeah. Because, I mean, Marlon Humphrey straight up just mounted and choked the shit out of Odell Beckham Jr. We all watched it happen. I don't know what the quarrel was. Um, And I posted it on the social media account earlier this week. But I'm just saying, um, I should read off the funniest responses because they were pretty fucked up. You know what? Nah, I'll save it. But bottom line is... Like, he straight up just strangled Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, like, two hands around his neck. Like, firmly planted, arms locked out, just choking the shit out of Odell. And the Ravens uh, lost that game like 40-25. to 25. 
Still odd and confusing to me. Um, <laughs> and he didn't get suspended. I don't even think he got fined. So it's like a dude got strangled. It's just hypocritical. It's weird what they choose to enforce and who they want to enforce it on. And when it comes down to off the field, we already know, like, they, one, they don't know how to handle or just don't care about domestic violence issues. Clearly, when it comes to issues of family quarrels and troubles, women getting beat up, um, kids getting beat up, NFL isn't the person, the group of people you really want handling that. Um, but when it comes to on the field, they're the biggest hypocrites. Biggest hypocrites whatsoever. Uh, you breathe on a quarterback. You can't finish through a tackle on a quarterback. But you can finish through a tackle on a running back. A running back can run you over. If you look at the hit on Tom, uh, Jordan Howard, uh, I think it was Jordan Howard. No, it wasn't. It was, uh, it was a running back for the Eagles, though. Up, up no, the Packers, my bad. The Packers-Eagles game, Jamal Williams running back for the Packers got hit late. That was dirty. I'll, I'll put it to you like in common terms like this, right? So it would be like if all of a sudden the government was like the max speed limit is 35. And it's like so everybody else who's been driving 70 for the past 30 years now has to go 35. So now they're switching up like. And then kind of like the whole helmet thing, like you guys were talking about with AB. Like, you were so used to doing it this way, and it, it's okay. It's been okay for a long time. So, why now all of a sudden you want yeah. to switch things up? Which, which, which is okay because, like, yeah, you're supposed to adapt, and yeah, it's changing and it's changing over time. But, like, you still can't hold that new standard versus, like, people who. Grew up in the old way, if that makes sense. Like, he came into the league in 2013, which is, like, the first year the NFL even acknowledged football had anything to do with concussions. So, my last question. Do you think that these new standards and new rules, do you think that it's another way for the NFL to profit from their players? No, not necessarily, because, I mean, I don't think they really profit from, you know, or like not from the their product, players, from, but another way to kind of like keep them in check and keep their profits in place. I mean, I it's kind of like, I mean, I made this comparison like jokingly, but it's just kind of like, I mean, if you look at it in terms of like PR, maybe like, okay, it's like the OJ situation. Like this guy beat murder. So now let's get him for this other thing that's like. Not that bad, but we're going to make it bad because, like, of the circumstances. Like, you could do that with anything, like, but at the end of the day, like, that individual hit, that individual play didn't shouldn't have been the tipping point for the ultimate result that happened. But, yeah, anything else you want to say on that before we move on, Kenny? Nah, man, same on NFL. Pretty much. All right, last thing I want to talk about before we close out. Stephon Diggs has reportedly been more than disgruntled in Minnesota for a while. He's been really cryptic on social media. He's been kind of disengaged. He's frustrated with not getting the ball. Even Adam Thielen is calling out Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is apologizing. Like, there's just a lot of shit going on in Minnesota because they're 500 
and They're, not where they, they want to be. A Super Bowl level defense, and arguably a Super Bowl level offense with Dalvin Cook. And they were one play away from the Super Bowl two years ago, pre Kirk Cousins. So and, I think that's where the rub is. And their QB is just bad. Like that's why completion percentages, especially in today's NFL, are really overrated. Because you got guys completing seventy five percent of their passes. With like six touchdowns But like eight interceptions I'm just throwing out Random numbers But you know You get my drift The fact And Thielen said You know We could have the best Running back in the league Rush for 180 yards game We still need to be able To actually fundamentally Pass the ball And they can't do that All You have two of the best Receivers in the league A serviceable tight end Irv Smith Who's a young Promising tight end All you have to do Is just get Those four people The ball And hand it to Dalvin Cook like, and the uh, you can't do that. Yeah, and I think the other issue is you know Kirk Cousins is supposed to be the thing that got them over the hump, and now he's kind of the thing weighing them down. Fool's cold. He's getting all that money. Scott Mitchell. So, yeah, it's kind of a mess. He's the final reincarnation of Scott Mitchell. So officially, Stephon Diggs has not demanded a trade. The Vikings haven't said that they're trading him, but he's clearly upset. It's clearly not. Really, where it wants to be. So, like, where do you think would be a good spot for him, KB? The Raiders. The Raiders, but I wouldn't give up a first round pick for him. Yeah, he was a fifth round pick. I'm not giving up a first round pick. I give pick up for a him. third. The problem is, the Raiders have already wasted their past two third round picks on Steelers receivers. So, might I really don't think that's, that's two, two fourths. And I don't think Minnesota is going to trade him for a fourth. I think they want a one. So. I mean, maybe New England. I don't even know if they have one. They they, they have too many receivers. They have too many receivers. Been a problem for them. Uh, they like if anything, I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers did that. If the Packers, they're not trading within the division, so cross that off. You never know. No, nah, that's not happening. I know. I'm kidding. But I think the Saints. Again, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that would happen. I, that's why I'm saying I like. I, like, I it wouldn't really be a don't radical trade. I don't think he's going to get traded yeah, either, but it would be he a just radical got a deal move. Before last season, so it would be a radical move. Someone would have to move him and be like, "All right, we're going to pay him, but we're giving up our next first round pick." If anything, what would be more interesting is if they try to move Kirk Cousins or try to move for a QB. You're not moving Kirk Cousins. Who's paying him that much money? You're not, but you they never know. San Francisco might be their it best. Surprised me. Denver was like San Francisco. Yeah, Emmanuel Sanders are going to get traded, but I'm not trading Emmanuel Sanders for Stephon Diggs, who's clearly the better version of Emmanuel Sanders. So on that note, let's go ahead and wrap it up. My fantasy team is in shambles. Do you want to go first, or you want me to go first? You want Serve to go first? Doesn't I'll matter. Go. I really don't have much to say. I already said what I had to say, so. Serve go first. Go ahead. Just say whatever you want to say. If you won't say nothing, you Say what you need to say, like John Mayer. It's been a month. I'm sure there's some shit you have to say. You've been away. No, not really. I mean, everything that I had to say and do was on my Instagram. Uh, other than that, um... Which is yeah. So my Instagram is Swerve, S W E R V underscore C E R V T H O. Oh wait 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 no sorry sorry it is Swerve Serve though ah 
Okay, so S W E R V C E R V underscore underscore T H O. So swerve, swerve, though. Sorry, yeah. So follow there. It's on my highlight. It's on my highlight, and yeah. So. I guess I'll see you guys next Thursday. And sorry, I've been out of the loop. I'm still dealing with jet lag and adjusting, so I'll be back to my normal self next Thursday. So, so high and late, high and late per use. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pork so belly. You want to go next, Kenny? Or you want me to go? I'll go. Um. So, funny thing happened this past week. I finally got my college diploma in the mail. And it's weird because when I backstory, I went to a little post center to get my mail. I got a package, open that shit. When I get home, it's a freaking uh, um, a bicycle helmet meant for like a three, or like a little kid. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Uh, I got an email saying my diploma went out. And now I have a bicycle helmet. What kind of bullshit is this? This is some sick, this is a sick, dirty game. Go back to the post office. They're like, oh, somebody wrote permanent marker on the thing. We gave you the wrong one. I was like, yeah, no shit. I wanted a diploma, not a bicycle helmet. I don't even have a bike. So whatever. Anyway, get it. Get home. My mom comes back home. Uh, she got home Monday night from being in Oakland for like a week. Seeing my grandma. And my mom holds my diploma in her hand, just starts weeping and crying. And like she's smiling and she's like, I'm so proud of you and hug me really tight. Like you know when your mom hugs you really tight, like and it's just melting in your arms? That kind of hug. Um like normally like I said, I look at my degree, I honestly don't feel anything other than vindicated. And people know what I went through, know what I went through, know what I mean by that. Um, And also just I felt like it was a reaffirmation of like everything that I've been saying all these years about what I was going to do with my life and where things were going to go. And it just felt like that I fucking told you so moment. (sighs) Like that low, that chip on my shoulder felt like it kind of fell off uh, a little bit. And... Looking at my mom, seeing her smile, my sister smile, crying, getting all sad and shit and being really happy and overwhelmed. It kind of made me realize, you know what? I did right. I did right by my 18-year-old self. Like, I went through a bunch of shit, made my way up through the JUCO ranks and everything. Um, The fact that, like, the horrific injury I had in high school, fighting my way through painkillers and shit, trying to learn how to walk again. Being in a cast for like nine and a half, ten months, uh, dealing with all the shit I dealt with towards the end of high school, still graduating, getting to this point, knowing that I was always going to get a degree, keeping a promise that I made to my grandfather on his deathbed at four years old, and finally having that degree in my hand, it just made the journey worth it. So now I'm just figuring shit out. Going forward, but yeah, that's it for me. Uh, can't wait for that touchdowns and tailgate event coming up. USC, UCLA, November. UCLA's trash, but somehow they're still probably gonna either score a lot of points in this game or 
It was really close because Clay Hilton needs to be fired. Free Reggie Bush. Fuck the NCAA. Shout out to that California Pay for Play Act. Um, because all in California, uh, if you didn't know, um, now you can essentially, in 2023, athletes in California will be able to make, their, make money off their names, their likeness, get endorsements. And one of their scholarships yanked or be in violation or anything like that. And they really should just call it the Reggie Bush rule. Shout out to Ed O'Bannon, the only UCLA player I like basketball-wise, at least pre-2000s. But anyway, uh, that's it. And if you have kids or know someone who has kids, you need to be studying up on those laws for the California Fair Play to Pay, Fair Pay to Play Act. You need to be studying up on that because if you're actually talking about doing the best for your kid, you might want to consider helping them start a business and get a brand going. Don't pimp them out and proselytize them, but actually like prep them for the point where by the time they get to college, if they didn't come from generational wealth, that they're creating wealth as they're young, which is a problem for a lot of, let's be honest, non-white or Asian people. In particular, blacks and Latinos. We don't really come from wealth like that. So we're usually starting over every generation. Whereas Asians and whites usually can get something handed down. We don't have that luxury. And especially with all these athletes and all these sports. And predominant sports like let's say soccer, football, baseball, basketball. Uh, if you're going to teach kids to be good athletes, you need to teach them how to get to the back too. And sorry, this is like a 10 minute rant. My bad. Well, at least it was a good 10-minute rant. But, yeah, we were supposed to be out of here at 10. You promised me, and we're not. So I should be used to that. But, yeah. It was that Selena segment. I mean, Shakira segment. I blame Demi Lovato. But, yeah, man, it's been a crazy week for me, really nonstop. I've just been grinding last week. I went to Lakers Media Day on Friday, which was pretty cool. Uh, fucked up part of it was my iPhone 7 completely crapped out, kept restarting. I was literally taking pictures on a damn webcam, which was not good for clout or branding or professionalism or anything. It just looked like shit. So I had to go and cop the iPhone 11. So I'm, I'm, I'm in there, upgraded finally. It's actually been pretty cool. I'm getting used to not having a home button. In addition to that, I helped plan a speed mentoring event at CSUN, my alma mater. So I invited and pitched and maintained and coordinated a bunch of different guests from across journalism, you know, all levels, all from, you know, news directors to reporters, print people, PR people, AEs, like, it was a good list. You know, the kids that did come out really benefited from it, and... I always tell people, you know, you get what you give. And so for me, you know, just doing that sort of thing, like that sort of event is literally like what made a difference in my life. Like I met people for the first time outside of just the bubble of our journalism program, which challenged me to think differently than just, you know, being prepared to be a reporter, being prepared to be on air or talent or whatever the case and to actually think about, you know, becoming a publisher, becoming, you know, a business person in the scope of journalism. And not to mention, like, you know, I met 
a few good people there that, you know, I still keep in contact with in terms of peers. Like, that event really made a difference for me as an individual. I got my first internship through that event. And now coming full circle, being able to help plan it, I just really hope somebody else can take what I got from it and hopefully bring it all back. Because, like, a lot of the kids I talk to, you know, some there's a couple of them kind of in the same spot as me, like, in terms of wanting to do something, but everybody telling them no, or having a certain perspective that you don't see reflected among the people that are grooming you and teaching you and mentoring you, and how that can kind of be disheartening because... You know things should be a certain way, but they're not. And it it's so wrapped up in groupthink and layers of tradition and patriarchy that, like, nobody really does anything. So it's people like me who have to blaze the trails and really try to change things or at least try to make them better and at the very, very least make them better for people behind them. But yeah, that's enough of this ramble. Um, I'm going to try to actually make it to the gym tonight after this, but I probably won't because it takes like 20 minutes to get anywhere in anywhere in Los Angeles to go two blocks. But yeah, so on that note, that's about it for me. Touchdowns and tangents. I'm PD Camarillo at Pete Certified signing out. Ozo Grande, Ozio Grande. A.K.A. MC What the Fuck A.K.A. Daddy Do Dirt Kenneth Frank James Barry I'm out Do I say Oh And serve Like I said Swerve serve though S-W-E-R-V C-E-R-V Underscore T-H-O And you can find us Every Thursday On the Good News app The Good News Sports side As well as FPC Radio X-Squad Affiliates Your favorite podcast app and wherever else random entertaining hood content lives. Touchdownsandtangents.com. Peep Ma- it. Make sure you share it with a friend if you really fuck with us. And if you don't, well, oh well. Good night. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.